in Chinese philosophy, we would call this the Tao, the container for all of our experiences as human beings, which is really our shared consciousness. Mm-hmm. And the Tao, just like your body has tiny, you know, little movements as it recalibrates, the Tao is doing the same thing. It's being aware and then acting, being aware and then acting in exactly the same way. And so there are movements in the Tao, there are movements in our universe, and we can feel them. We can't think them. Hello again, and welcome back to the Self Love Breakfast Club. Before we get started today, I wanted to take a moment and ask you who would you like to see on this podcast? What subjects would you like me to cover? What do you feel like is missing? What would you like more of? What do you love about it? What do you wish? I could offer you. I would love to hear this feedback. If you guys follow me on Instagram at Extel Rose, you can DM me there or you can go on the Self Love Breakfast Club's Instagram as well. It's Self Love Breakfast Club. And just tell me, what what are you hoping for? What would you like more of? And who have been your favorite guests? Just kind of give me some feedback on that. I would love to make sure that every time you tune into this podcast, you are getting exactly what you are looking for, what you are needing. And that's my goal is to make sure that every single episode, something hits for you. So do not hesitate to let me know. Slide up in my DMs at Excel Rose. I'm not sure if you guys listen to Self Love Sunday or if you read it, but it is my weekly kind of like a small little bite-sized episode for you guys to just kind of share what I'm going through in my own self-love journey. And my hope is that, you know, if you can relate to it or maybe you're going through something and you remember that I had talked about it too, you can go back and check out that episode But my whole goal with Self Love Sunday is to share my own journey so you guys know that like I am definitely not perfect. Um, If you know me in person, you know that's true. (laughs) Um, You know, but but I struggle too and I go through a lot of things and I want to be very open and share all of that with you guys. So that is something if you have not had a chance to check it out, please do. My goodness, we are already in March. Uh, My birthday is next weekend. Yes, I, yes, (laughs) I'm getting older. Um, And I've been doing a lot of speaking lately. That's been really cool. I've been really excited to kind of share my message and really kind of refine and continue to share uh, what I have learned and what I'm learning and uh, what I coach now. It's just been really awesome. It's been such an honor. I am actually getting to do International Women's Day. I am on a panel for Femme City and I'm talking about wellness. So that is March 8th and it's going to be at 3 p.m. So I am going to make sure that you guys have access to that. If you follow me on Instagram or um, if you check the show notes of this, I will make sure that you guys get the link to that. So today... Oh, you guys, she is one of my favorite guests, like such a cool, fascinating conversation. Dr. Jill Blakeway, uh, just phenomenal. I always love having doctors on the show. Uh, I've had a few and I just, I'm one, I'm always fascinated by them because obviously they know a ton more than me. But another cool thing about it is that I feel like we have such great conversations and I'm able to like hold my own in this space and talking to an actual doctor. So it really is exciting for me to be able to challenge myself in this space, but also offer you just such an incredible 
conversation and human who is just doing amazing things. So Jill, Dr. Jill Blakeway, she's a doctor of acupuncture and Chinese medicine. She's a licensed and board certified acupuncturist, clinical herbalist, practicing energy healing for over 20 years. She founded the Unova Center in 1999 and acts as the clinic director. She's the co-author of, she has so many books, you guys, Making Babies. So she has a book about fertility, sex again, recharging your libido, and her recently published book, one that I just recently uh, downloaded on Audible and listening to, incredible, is called Energy Medicine, The Science and Mystery of Healing. And we talked a lot about this on this episode. She's traveled the world for two years for this book, interviewing and apprenticing with top scientists and energy healers to explain the science behind energy healing. Um, And this is actually a lot of the work that I do in my coaching is, is energetics. And so it was really awesome to talk about the science behind that. She was the first acupuncturist to ever give a TED Talk at TED Global in 2012. And you can go to the UnovaCenter.com to learn more about Dr. Jill Blakeway. Okay, you guys. So we are in for such a treat today. We have Dr. Jill Blakeway here. I cannot wait to talk to you. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm really happy to be here. I am really excited to talk with you. I think I think our listeners are going to get a lot out of this episode, so it's going to be a juicy one. I can feel it. <laughs> so before we get started, we do sort of like an initiation that we call goals, gratitude, and badassery. So right off the bat, what are your current goals? My current goals are really, I founded a company back in 1999, which feels like a long time ago. And it's just evolved <laughs> into a place where it's called Unova in New York City. It's a, a Chinese medicine practice and it's evolved into three centers. And it's a place where lots of really wonderful people are living. So my goal has been to navigate us through and out of COVID, keeping all of our staff employed and taking care of our patients. And that's still my goal <laughs> at the moment. And I, I'm starting to see the green shoots, I think. Mm. Um, uh, we're all back in the clinic. We're treating our patients safely and everything is good. But it's taken a lot of focus to make sure that everybody is looked after during what was for businesses just such a curveball. Life, life, such a curveball. So that's my goal is to get us back to normal and then carry on growing. Oh, normal. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever normal will be. (laughs) And gratitude. So what are you grateful for? I'm grateful for this team and my community. I've been thinking a lot about joy recently Mm. because I think we're having to find our own joy. Um, You know, we don't just run into joy (laughs) in the same way. We have to make sure that we incorporate joy. And I realize how much joy I get from human beings. Uh, and how in- endlessly interesting I find people to be. I love my job because I listen to people all day mm. and I'm grateful. I'm, I'm currently treating patients from home on Zoom and it's been just a joy to be connected in this way. So I feel really grateful to have a job where I look outwards and I connect to people and I get to see how awesome human beings are. I love that. I love that perspective too because... <laughs> 
you hear a lot out there just like, eh, I hate people, you know? <laughs> uh, and you just, that's so fresh and bright. I love it. So badassery, that is something you've done, you know, maybe recently that you're proud of or that you think is pretty badass. I think my last book was pretty badass. <laughs> and I wrote a book called Energy Medicine, The Science and Mystery of Healing. And it was a bit of a departure for me because my first two books had been sort of health, self-help books. And this was more of a memoir and travelogue. And I came out a little bit in that book. I, I've always been uh, an energy worker. I've always had very strong energy coming out of my hands that people could feel. And I didn't really know what that was. And I didn't want to overstate it. And to be honest, in the back of my mind, um, Crystal, I thought, well, maybe it's just placebo and people are very impressed by it and then they get better in response to it. So Harper Collins commissioned me to go around the world talking to healers and scientists about what is what are the prompts we can give the body to self-heal. And during the course of that, I found out what happens in my own body when I um, am taking care of patients and um, I wrote all about it. And for me, I think that that was my badass book. I, like everything about what you just said is pretty badass. I mean, oh, Harper Collins commissioned me to fly all around the world. Like, I did. I ended up in Japan. I met some of the most amazing healers. I met extraordinary scientists mm. who are studying how we connect um, uh, in ways that used to be imperceptible. It changed my life actually. Writing this book, it made me. Um, it expanded my view of what human beings are and what we're capable of. And it gave me some sort of peace to write it. And people who've read it tell me that they feel a sort of peace when they've finished it too. Mm. That we are connected and we're sort of subtly cooperating with each other. I'm going to give you an example, Crystal. At the University of Connecticut, they put two separate people in separate MRIs in different rooms. And when one thought about the other, their brainwaves synced up. Uh, and they, even though they were in separate rooms, which is yeah. that weird feeling you have when you think about someone and then they text you, which yes. happens all the time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. So this is, I, I absolutely, we're going to so jam on this. I absolutely love it because this last year, um, during 2020, I went through this certification program and it was a life coaching certification, but it was unlike anything that's out there. And it was so much in energy work. And now when I'm working with my clients, I have to hold a certain energy field for them. And I realized that, um, you know, you hear a lot about like, I'm an empath and all the things that are going on in the world. Oh, it's so heavy. And I learned through that process how to protect myself and protect my energy. So there's so many angles in that. And just like you said, you can ping another person's system simply by thinking about them or, you know, remembering something about them. And when, when you're thinking about someone and they text you or they call you, like, that's not a mistake. So let's, let's talk about all that. I love, I'm so excited to talk. About no, we're, we're in very subtle ways. We're collaborating with each other in ways that we don't even understand. And that, um, that study is actually just one of many that starts to pick up the physiological connection. So um, I also, in the book, look at studies where when two people are talking, like you and I are now, one person's heart waves start to show up in the other person's brain waves. We start to pick up frequencies. Wow. And that 
made me wonder what I was doing when I was with patients in the clinic. And so I uh, had them put an EEG on my brain and an EKG on my heart while I did my job uh, with patients. And what we find, uh, we found is that I quite naturally, and I just taught myself this, and I have to tell you, Crystal, I'm not remotely special. So that means everybody can do this. Mm. Um, my brain and my heart go into what's called resonance. They start to go at the, they go at the same frequency. It's called internal heart-brain coherence. Uh, And then the patient's heart, thanks to something called mirror neurons, goes into resonance with mine. And at that point, patients always tell me how peaceful they feel. Um, And uh, we think it's because of that resonant bond is what it's called. And then information gets passed from one person to another, um, uh, carried by those frequencies. And in the book, I look at um, how that can be measured and um, not just by outcome, but how the actual um, event can be measured. That's it. Okay, this is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy because I am so on the other side of it. And so to like hear the actual science behind it is pretty wild. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't know why this works. And I know it works. And I know that like what you said to me is something that I've even discussed with my coach, um, that resonance. And the fact that you have like scientific evidence. It's not just like the woo-woo stuff, you guys. This is not just a woo-woo episode. We have science. (laughs) Science is on our side. (laughs) Well, that's what HarperCollins asked me to do. They asked me to write a book for skeptical people Mm. um, uh, that, that, you know, pushed the boundaries of this, but didn't just require people, people to buy in with just a belief system. Um, uh, and so I went looking for evidence and, um, to give you an example, I stumbled upon a professor. His name is Dr. William Bengston. He's at city university in New York, and he had learned a psychic healing technique an energy medicine technique from a psychic healer and decided to take it into the lab. And so they took mice that are specially bred to have cancer, poor mice. Um, and these mice always die on day 27. I have to, this is sounds really miserable. So I have to tell you before we go any further that these particular mice have a happy ending, just so oh. they don't feel too sad. Um, but they, that's how pharmaceuticals are tested. They're these mice that are specially bred to, um, be very susceptible to cancer. They're then given cancer and then they, they die on day 27. Um, and they, it's almost impossible to keep them alive longer than that. Well, mm. Dr. Bengston did his technique and the mice started to look much worse uh, for a little while, which alarmed him. But then they completely recovered. And what's more, when they re-injected them with cancer, in this case, it was breast cancer, um, they weren't able to get it. Their immune systems were completely changed. And what Dr. Bengston did then, which is, um, he's a scientist and um, uh, he's a nerdy scientist. He's not necessarily a woo person at all. So (laughs) a good science crystal should be replicable. You know, we should all be able to do it. Other labs should be able to do it. Um, So he collected lots of other people um, and uh, skeptical students, colleagues, and he taught them the technique. And they've done it over and over again with thousands of mice at this point. And the results remain consistent. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be a special person to do the technique. You don't have to be some highly talented healer. He very generously gave me the techniques 
uh, and let me write about it in the book so that you can try it at home. Um, and I know, I know. <laughs> and um, now, his, uh, since I wrote the book, his experiments are now being replicated at the University of Tokyo. Um, uh, so, because other labs without him there should also be able to replicate these results if, if they're to be meaningful. Um, so they are in the middle of a big study at the University of Tokyo on this very subject. But Bill stumbled upon something extraordinary. And really what he stumbled upon was a technique to create a resonant bond with mice. Now, the cool thing about mice is that they don't know they're supposed to get better. So this isn't the placebo effect. <laughs> right. <laughs> they're just like... Hey, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, you know, either they're sick or they're not. And um, uh, you can tell. Um, so he stumbled by accident on a technique that creates um, a connection, a loose, what's called resonant bond between the healer and the, in this case, the mice who are being healed. And they get better and um, very large academic institutions are now looking at this research because it was so compelling. Mm. I mean, I wonder, I'm sure the pharmaceutical companies are not going to be happy about any of this. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it, Unless they can bottle it and sell it. I was going to say there may, I mean, there, there may be opportunities for them in this. My hope is that we learn how to heal each other and that, that that connection is free. Uh, it doesn't take the place of Western medicine. Uh, it's just one more tool. And I always, Crystal, tell the patients this. Uh, your, your body has consciousness. It's the part that you totally take for granted. You never think about. But, you know, if you have a couple of extra glasses of wine at dinner, your liver will detoxify. And as long as you don't do it every night, your liver will be fine. If you get a bug bite, you'll have a histamine reaction. And all of the decisions your body takes, which amount to millions a day, it does outside of your mind. You're not in charge of, you don't have to think, oh, I must calibrate my thyroid or right. I should ovulate next Tuesday. It's all happening um, thanks to consciousness, a combination of awareness and the ability to act given a prompt. And I think a lot of energy medicine techniques prompt the body's own intelligence. So the person doing the healing is actually the healy in response to some new information, in response to a prompt. Um, and that's why it works. Um, and sometimes you need a bigger prompt, like you need surgery mm. or a pharmaceutical. You need a stronger prompt um, is how I see it. And sometimes you can prompt the body's own self-healing mechanisms to overcome an illness. And in fact, a lot of the problems I see in the clinic, the kind of people who come to me as an acupuncturist and herbalist, are people with chronic issues that are hard to solve. And they're often issues of poor communication within the body. Mm, in yes. fact, yeah. and tightening that up does the trick. My first book, as you know, was called Making Babies. And it was about how to get pregnant. And it's still, it's been out for 10 years and it's still a bestseller in the fertility world. A lot of the fertility problems I see, Crystal, are just timing issues. You know, your body, your reproductive system has a very tight rhythm. Everything has to happen at exactly the right moment. And people, people lose their rhythm. Modern life is very stressful and yeah. um, reasonably toxic and things happen to people. And over the years, they lose a bit of rhythm. And my job is to tighten all of that up 
And sure enough, people get pregnant at the Unova Center. It's one of the things we're known for is our ability to help people who are struggling with fertility to conceive. And that's really what we're doing. We're prompting the body's own intelligence with very subtle things like herbs and massage and acupuncture to come back into balance so that people's reproductive systems are running smoothly. This is like so fascinating. You know, so a big part of what I do is um, like step one, right? When I work with my one-on-one clients, step one is reconnection to the body because we spend so much time up in our heads. And I think most people believe that our stream of consciousness, our thoughts are, are us. And that's just not true. It's just part of us, right? There's so many different parts. Like you said, you know, we have this consciousness that just does its thing and and our body does what it's supposed to do, what it's made to do. Um, And we spend all this time in our heads because that we've been you've been trained to. And sometimes it's safer than being connected to our body and we don't have to feel and all of that. So yeah, this is really fascinating. That's that's step number one is that reconnection to ourselves and to really like feel into what's going on inside our body. Well, our minds are inherently unreliable. They're yeah. useful for logistics. <laughs> yeah. We couldn't get through life without our mind. It's very useful for planning and executing yeah. things and, and that kind of executive functioning. But um, our minds have a tendency to have a story that comes from past pain that mm. is about protecting you from future pain and it makes our minds a little unreliable but we are bigger than our minds we can watch our minds have thoughts yeah anyone who's meditated has watched their mind have thoughts someone has to do the watching Mm. and that is you that is you being bigger than your mind um uh, it's your consciousness in my language yes (laughs) (laughs) and i think just even knowing that even knowing that you are not your mind and that your mind is not necessarily reliable um, is gives you some control in an out of control world that I think is very healing. Yeah, totally. Because there, there's this, um, you know, I, I used to struggle with anxiety a lot. And when your brain's just going, you know, it's trying to keep you safe. It's trying to, and, and, you know, sometimes it says mean things because <laughs> it's trying to keep you safe and, you know, from mitigating risk and all of that. Um, and when you can step outside and, and be the observer, of your thoughts, then it, it totally changes things. And so I've gotten to the point now where when I make a decision, I make it out of my intuition. I make it out of what like my truth is. And I'm like, nope, that's what we're doing. And I kind of tell my brain like, hey, listen, <laughs> I don't need a list of why this is going to go wrong or why I shouldn't do it or how much it's going to cost and anything fear-based. Um, so logistics only, if you <laughs> help me execute this, because this is what we're doing. And that's it. <laughs> I think that's actually very wise. Um, not many people are doing that. But uh, the truth is that your body has an intelligence that keeps you alive. Mm. It's very smart. And you can tap into that. Um, and that consciousness is as tiny as every little cell that knows mm. who it is and what it is and what it's supposed to do next. But it's also bigger than your mind, as we've said. And it's also actually bigger than you. And uh, at its farthest extent in Chinese philosophy, we would call this the Tao, the container for all of our experiences as human beings, which is really our shared consciousness. Mm. And the Tao, just like 
like your body has tiny, you know, little movements as it recalibrates. The Tao is doing the same thing. It's it's being aware and then acting, being aware and then acting in exactly the same way. And so there are movements in the Tao. There are movements in our universe and we can feel them. We can't think them, but mm. we can feel them. And so I often get my patients into their body so they can feel the movement in their life and uh, go where the ease is. There is ease to moving with the Tao. Yes. Yeah. When I was at grad school, they used to teach, I remember learning Taoism and there is a concept, very common concept in Taoism called Wu Wei, which is wandering. And I remember thinking, this is a long time ago now, but I was like, well, I don't want to wander. It sounded a bit vague to me. I was like, I'm British. I don't wander. (laughs) (laughs) This is all a terrible idea. I've got to be wafted about by fate. I have to make my own luck and, you know, strap my backbone on and things like that. And it took me till I was much older, Crystal, to get that maybe wandering isn't the best translation of Wu Wei, but it means moving with Mm. the universe, moving. It's basically the serenity prayer. It's it's understanding the parts of a movement that are just happening, whether you like it or not, and then using that momentum to get where you're going. And to do that, you need to feel your next Feel where the ease is rather than mm. think your way through it. And then you can use your mind to work out the details. Yeah, yes. It's it's that flow, right? Like it gets to be easy. And when we're trying to force things, which we do, because I want this and it needs to happen, and we give ourselves some arbitrary timeline and you know, we try to force it, that's where all the struggle is. It's in that force. But when we can just kind of like surrender and tell ourselves like it's already happened if i see where i want to be and how i want to feel like it's it's done it's already done we just time just needs to catch up we will get there and then allowing that flow to kind of take you through it and it may not look like how you thought it would look or go the way you thought it would go but the the end result your desired if that's what's true will be the same well one of the things that changed me when I was uh, researching my last book, Energy Medicine, was I started to talk to physicists. And physicists, particularly people who believe in um, uh, holographic universe theory and things like that, uh, which is, I think, broadly believed in now, uh, one of the things that they are seeing that they're not necessarily able to communicate to us um, because physicists have gone so far down their own rabbit hole, they only talk to each other if you're not careful, uh, is, uh, is that our reality is much more, it has much more plasticity than we understand, that we are, uh, you know, I talk to physicists who think that we are literally holograms, that, that yeah. we live in a completely holographic universe. Um, and there's a lovely book actually called The Holographic Universe that is really worth reading that is also published by my publisher. Actually, it's published by HarperCollins. It's quite an old book now, but it's really good. Um, But what it means is that our reality is much more mutable than we understand and that we're affecting it with our minds. And I stumbled on some data that made that really obvious, Crystal, which is many years ago, and we're going back to the 1970s at Princeton in the engineering department, which I always think must be the least woo department of Princeton. I mean, they are, you know, literally making machines um, and designing machines. Well, in the engineering department, they had a female grad student who wondered if she could make a machine that could be changed by the human mind. 
And the Dean of Engineering was called Dr. Robert Jean. And I, I spoke to him when I was researching this book. And he, he didn't think for a moment she'd pull this off, but he thought it would be a good project for a grad student to think through how you would make a machine that could be moved by the human mind. But the truth is, she did pull it off. And thanks to random numbers that were generated by decaying atomic material, she created a machine called a random event generator that spits out extremely random numbers. And what they found was that when two people focus, when when one person focuses on it with feeling, the numbers become a little bit less random. And then when lots of people focus on it with the same feeling, the numbers become less random in a way that is statistically impossible. And they have carried this research on. It's now not done at Princeton anymore. It's done by uh, a a private trust. But um, they've taken portable random event generators to the Trump inauguration, to yoga retreats, to all sorts of events. And what they've found is that people, when they feel the same way, change the machine. And of course, if you change the machine, you can change other physical aspects of reality. Um, And the most powerful connector is love and compassion, as you might uh, expect. But a very close second is fear and cruelty. And fear and cruelty spreads like a virus. Um, And so we have to be very careful what we're putting out, because we're not just affecting ourselves, we're affecting each other. And we're not just affecting each other, we're affecting the next step in our path which is why it can affect the machine. And until I really digested that research, I hadn't really understood what a responsibility that is. Oh, wow. So good. Ugh, so good. Spreading fear and negativity. Yes. I mean, yes. it's, it's so easy to do and it's louder. It's louder than love and compassion, especially with social media. So it, it is. I feel like it seems... There's this perception that the world is horrible or that things are so awful and so bad right now and and in the past and at all times, it always is just so gloom and doom. And I think that's because it's just louder and it spreads just like what they say about business. If one person, you know, has a good experience, they tell 10 people, or they tell like, you know, maybe a couple people here and there or, you know, but if they have a bad experience, they tell everybody, they tell everybody. And that's, I think that's true for fear and negativity and we have to be really conscious of not only what we're putting out there for others, but what we're consuming ourselves. It's a difficult line, I yeah. think. I've been thinking about it a lot uh, recently because we don't want to live in a la-la land of our own making oh, where we're just not, not looking, <laughs> where we're all holding hands, singing Kumbaya <laughs> in the corner while the world <laughs> is, <laughs> is slowly right. circling the drain. That's um, the love uh, and light. That the, that's the love yeah. and light bypassing community that, that's new. Yes. Yeah, you need to, uh, uh, and you know, there's a, that is the temptation. But we also have to. You, you mentioned social media, and um, fear is very clickbaity and anger. Mm. You know, you can join people together really quickly like that, and we watch it happen uh, yes. a lot. And and what those Princeton studies suggest to me is that that isn't just bad for your own psyche; it actually creates the next step in your journey, mm. uh, and it diminishes it. If you think that thoughts actually change these machines, that means that we are powerful creators of our next step. 
So, you know, the line, and it's a complex one spiritually, is how do we stay very grounded in reality and tackling the genuine problems that human beings are facing that are asked to solve um, whilst not spreading more fear, more contraction. Mm. Um, you know, fear is such a contractive, separating emotion. How do we, how do we spread connection and compassion yeah. uh, during that time? Uh, and without spiritually bypassing. And I right. think, yeah, <laughs> I think that is um, something a lot of us are giving thought to. Yeah, I think um, right now is just such a time where I'm seeing a lot of like energy workers and, and people in this sphere almost, you know, it's like we're being called. And this last year has been like a global contraction, just a real tight, global and it's like okay i think we're moving towards expansion we have to be right have to be yes i think so i think there are cycles of contraction and expansion yeah and um you know it's sort of it's odd when you look back over the last year because many of us have contracted in some ways but expanded in others Mm -hmm. um you know unova was um at the when we locked down three lovely large clinics in New York and we switched to virtual consulting uh, almost straight away within a week. And we spent this time designing cool products for our patients and courses. We have a fertility coaching and support group that's really popular. Um, Mm. So we've expanded in other ways. And I think that is that um, that's the serenity prayer for you. That is accepting the stuff that is, you know, we're, yeah. we are in the middle of a pandemic still. And how are we going to deal with that? Um, but we can still be creative. We can still do things. We just have to accept our reality and move forward. So we spent some time, to give you an example, doing something we'd always intended to do, which is create different fertility formulas for different types of patients. I get disheartened by how many people get sold fertility herbs as if there's one type of fertility herb Mm. for everybody. The truth is, as someone who specializes in reproductive medicine, there are a million different reasons why people don't get pregnant, and but we, we can put them into basic groups. And so we created, um, I created some fertility types for my first book, Making Babies, and we have just launched our first herbal formulas for the public. We know we have herbal pharmacies in each of our practices, in each of our offices, but we've never offered that kind of service to the broader public. And so that was what we did with our time on lockdown. And there Amazing. are now five... <laughs> Five fertility formulas for each of the fertility types. Um, And we launched those last month, which is really exciting. That's incredible. There's going to be so many things in the show notes that people are going to be able to look up because there's a lot. (laughs) There is a lot here. (laughs) We've Um, covered a lot of ground. We have. Um, Did you, now in your travels, literally, um, did you come across any of the science behind manifestation? Is that part of? Oh, yes. Well, Yes. In the book, I tell, I'm actually thinking a lot for my next book about manifestation Mm. and moving with the Tao and the things we just talked about. But in the book, I tell a story that is a completely true story about a healer that completely 
perplexed me. And she's Chinese, um, uh, uh, an eighth generation Qigong master, an elderly woman. And I met with her and she appeared to literally manifest herbs on her hand. Crystal. I took my husband with me and I would not, I, I honestly thought I was going mad. Um, she, <laughs> she held out her hand and what emerged on it was herbs. And what struck my husband and I was that, that we know the distinctive smell of Chinese herbs because we're herbalists mm. and we couldn't smell the smell until they appeared. Now, I was very conscious of the fact that I don't know how Penn and Teller do what they do, too. So I did not know if this was a trick or if this was happening. And then she produced a pill for my husband, and it was the same thing. And by that time, I was so entranced that I literally was an inch away from her fingers looking (laughs) when she did it. And I have no idea how this was done. Um, And so I rang the uh, professor I told you about, Dr. Bill Bengston, mm. the, you know, who'd done all that research into mice. And I said, Bill, this, I saw this Qigong master and she m- manifested these herbs for me. And he said, um, oh, no, you mean materialized. And I, I was like, oh, it's a thing. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. And he was like, I, uh, I, I have a colleague, an anthropologist who studies it. I didn't know anyone, you know, I, I didn't know anyone was doing it in the United States, but it's a thing. Uh, it's part of Qigong. And I, I was uh, flummoxed. And, <laughs> and then he said, bring the herbs back and we'll examine them in the lab and work out what they were, which would be scientifically smart. And I said, oh, my goodness, I already drank them. And he was like, wait, are you? Are you insane? <laughs> you have no idea what you just drank. And I was like, yes, I, I, I see that this was a regrettable decision that I made in the heat of the moment in my excitement. What? Uh, <laughs> so that is a very, I tell that story in the book, and that is a very extreme version of manifestation. Yeah. But, um, I, I left that for the reader. I couldn't find an explanation for and I didn't know what that was. Um, and none of the scientists I consulted knew what that was either. But I do think that we can move, we can bend the universe a little bit to our will if we understand how to align. And that I'm interested in exploring for my next book. I'm definitely buying your for this book. Um, I'm definitely <laughs> going to buy this. And I'm going to immediately, as soon as I'm done talking to you, I'm going to post um, the link to it <laughs> to all of my sister coaches and be like, we need to read this now. It's a very you kind of book. I think you will enjoy Love Energy it. Medicine um, because it's, a, it's my personal journey through this too. And mm. I end up in Japan for eight weeks in this book. Uh, with uh, I, I, I went to see a, a priest, a, a monk, who is quite famous and um, is a famous healer. And so I showed up to to see him. And I, I loved Japan, so I was happy to go. But I'm also busy, so I didn't want to waste my time. So before I went to see him, I was told about him by some scientists at San Francisco State who had studied him uh, physiologically. I, I asked if I could speak to a patient. And I talked to a man in Israel. His name is Yuval Oded, and he is a, a research psychologist. And he had had a baby who was born blind and uh, out of death 
desperation, he and his wife had taken the baby to see the monk. And to start with, they went every day and not much happened. And I think he was quite disappointed and felt Mm. kind of foolish for going on this wild goose chase. And then on about the fifth day, they were wheeling the baby out of the clinic and he screwed up his eyes and they realized that he could see light. And when I spoke to Yuval, the little boy was four and he was sitting on his knee and could see. Um, And so I got on a plane and went in search of Hiroyuki Abe, is the monk's name. I went in search of Hiroyuki Abe, who was very suspicious of me. (laughs) And, um, uh, you know, strange English woman and her American husband show up from New York and uh, want to know everything. And and he said, well, we're going to need to be friends before I show you what I do, because I need to trust you. And so I spent weeks getting on and off trains and going in and out of places following him around <laughs> until he finally let me see his work. And oh, I tell my story of, of what he was able to do and how it worked in the book. Amazing. Oh, you are fascinating. <laughs> what you do is fascinating. Well, thank you. I feel like I could talk to you all day about this. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> Yeah, I, I'm kind of like, I consider myself a lipstick hippie because <laughs> most people by like looking at me and seeing me run around would have no idea that I am so into like the Eastern medicine and energy work and herbs and um, natural makeup and all of that stuff. Like I'm obsessed. I love it. And learning new things in that arena just makes me so happy. So thank you so much for being here today. I really hope people buy your book and in reading because it just sounds so fascinating. So we like to end things on a quote. So is there a quote that perhaps maybe you live by or that maybe just lately has been speaking to you that you can share with us? Yes. <laughs> and it's it, it's a cliche for British people to quote Winston <laughs> Churchill, I think. But during <laughs> COVID... <laughs> I have quoted Winston Churchill a lot to my team, who are mostly women and mostly younger than me. I love the quote from Winston Churchill, when you're going through hell, keep going. Mm. I just think movement and momentum is really important. And I think we contract when we get scared. And if we can counteract that by just moving forward, we don't have to know completely where we're going. I sometimes say to the team, the plane has to take off and then we'll course correct en route, but we just have to keep producing. And I think if you remember in our case, you know, that we're helping people um, and our mission is to help people, then it's easy to just keep moving forward uh, in difficult times. But when you're going through hell, keep going. I love that. Dr. Jill, where can they find you? Where can our listeners find you? You can find me at unovacenter.com, Y-I-N-O-V-A, Center the American Way. I say that because my father still can't find my website in England. (laughs) (laughs) He's always like, I don't know where your website is. He's in his 80s. And I'm like, it's it's Center the American Way because we're in America. Um, So unovacenter.com. I'm uh, currently treating patients on Zoom, just like the rest of the Innova team. Um, if you're in New York, all of our centers are open. We have one on the Upper East Side, one in the Flatiron, and one in Brooklyn, and everybody is back and taking care of people safely. Um, and you can buy energy medicine uh, in all good bookshops and online, um, as well as my first two books, which are Sex Again, which is about libido, which we haven't discussed, but maybe we will one day. Yes. And um, Making Babies, which is about how to get pregnant. 
I love it. Thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate you. This is wonderful. (laughs) Thank you, Crystal. It's been really fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Self-Love Breakfast Club. If you enjoyed it, please share with your friends and tag us in your Instagram stories. See you next time. Thank you.